Be Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talk to DX on Patreon. Thank you so much for subscribing and listening to this episode. I said that very Arkansan. Episode? 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 Yeah. Uh, following from Doc Talks with Pamela Price, and she is here again with us today. And so we, we appreciate her being with us and sharing her story. Um, as I said, hopefully you've listened to the first part of Doc Talks with her and telling her story of how she became uh, the the inspiration that she is today and is continuing to uh, strive to be the best that she can be uh, and an American ninja warrior and uh, a person who has organized a, a beauty awards, uh, something I would never win is a beauty award. Um, but uh, we're, we're glad to have you again with us here today. Thank you. So in the end of the, the first episode, we really begin to get into the, the nitty gritty, if you will, of, um, what, what you're suffering with. So kind of going back, you were on a show that has yet to be aired, if I'm, if I'm correct. And mm-hmm. you had run a course and your, your coach had run a course and something happened to the coach and you didn't know anything about it, but you knew that something had happened. The cameras were on you. Uh, you knew that that at some point in time there had been a fatality on the course or within, but but that was in in the back of your mind. And so you are in this this point of I don't know what is about to happen. I don't know what kind of news. All I know is that there are cameras in my face. And I'm supposed to look shocked or surprised uh, because this is probably going to be a dramatic turn of events that they want to capitalize on. Uh, But then this very real horror and anxiety of what is about to happen. Uh, Does that pretty adequately? Yeah, that was basically that's it. That's everything in a a nutshell. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember in that moment? uh, I think you did say you were like, literally shaking in front of this camera, not knowing, you know, that there were these actual uh, physical things happening, that you were shaking, uh, nervousness. What can, 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 if you could sum up in just a few words of what you were actually feeling at that moment, could you, could you share what that would be? Yeah, I think it's probably adrenaline times 500 because I'm just coming out of the water. It's cold. It's a night shoot. Um, there's a lot of people around you sort of poking at you, you know, trying to see if you're okay, changing you, um, getting into, and then stepping into the limelight. Um, so I think it's, it's something that a lot of humans don't experience in life. Is it a shock? I don't know. You know, I was also just happy that I had, I had just completed my course, you know? Right. And so you had suffered a concussion, uh, within this, this time frame, and, then I think really the the indicator that you might need some help was when you um, took some uh, mushrooms, if you will, and you had a response of crying for several hours. 
And that's when some friends really said that you might need to look for some help. Yeah, they. I think, you know, there were some things that I had said over that, you know, course of four hours and four or five hours of crying, including apologizing to my coach, uh, you know, for everything that happened to him. But also I, I, I remember being like, I, and I have a disease too, guys, you know, and it was just like, everything was just coming out. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, you, you also mentioned in the first episode that when it comes to your, your uh, autoimmune uh, disease that you do suppress a lot of things. And so when we get in those vulnerable moments, we do kind of all of that pressure kind of lifts and we just let it all out. And, yeah. and it's interesting though, sometimes, um, especially like if we're just suppressing anger, somebody will make us angry and we'll let everything out on them and they don't even deserve, you know, a, a tenth of what they're receiving just because of something else that we're, we're dealing with. Long story short, you did at least uh, have an initial intake assessment with a therapist uh, through telehealth, and they gave you a, a preliminary diagnosis of an adjustment disorder. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. So an adjustment disorder is, is when uh, there's a response to uh, a psychosocial stressor and that that occurs while you are having a difficulty in adjusting or coping with this stressful psychosocial event. So in this point in time, it would be uh, you don't know how to adjust with this stress of of what is about to happen or what is taking place. The thing here, though, is that when that stress was resolved, you weren't automatically okay anymore. I, I mean, it just, when you knew your coach was okay, you weren't okay. You still had struggle, uh, a time struggling with, with what had just happened. Yeah. That would kind of make me kind of rely into a, a post-traumatic stress disorder as, as opposed to an adjustment uh, disorder simply because of the the time frame and then the symptoms that you really, you know, talk about. Now, if, if you just had uncontrollable crying for three or four hours and then every time you saw somebody from that day, you cried and, you know, if that was the only thing that was happening here, then, then I could lean more towards adjustment. But you had mentioned that uh, the first time you got into a trampoline to jump to a bar, there was just this, uh, this, scared or angry or or anxious feeling that that you had that you just could not make that jump couldn't and the weird thing is that like that and I I was padded and everything I mean nothing was gonna nothing was gonna get me and and the falls on this show were 30 to 40 feet into the water so you know I yeah I couldn't do it and it's it's weird because I've been doing climbing a lot of high balls like in bouldering which is basically 15 20, even 30 feet with no rope. And I've been okay, which is weird, but it's the jumping. It's the, and I jump on the show a lot. You have to jump from one thing to the other. And it's the jumping I can't do. Can't do. Do you have any idea of why it is specifically the jumping? Yeah, because I mean, separate from, from Justin, that, that's his name, uh, getting injured. I had to, I was being timed. I had to make the move. I had to jump onto this spinning thing and get there. And it's possible that I could have jumped and it could have whacked me and I'm in the water and I got to go and I got to get up again and whack in the water because it's a must complete. And I've got this much time and I've got this many people looking at me. 
And so the jump was just like, it wasn't until my friend actually on that same day that I freaked, I freaked out and jumping. It wasn't until my friend gave me a countdown, like the show where she was like, four, three, two, uh, yeah, it's jumping. I just, I just, I just am saying that now because I was thinking, gosh, this is weird that I've been like climbing and I'm not having that anxiety, but climbing is static, slow, controlled movement. Whereas this is like jump. Go, go, go. Right. And so when your when your friend gave the countdown, you could do it, but you did it because you didn't think about it. It was almost a, a rote motion, if you will, that this is what you've trained to do instead of sitting here, okay, I've got to jump on this trampoline onto this bar and contemplating everything that could happen in that period of time. If it was up to me, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Right. So it, it's interesting in how how our brain chemistry works that that if we think about it we can't do it but if we don't think about it we can you know and 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 how that that all of that works together and and it could very well work for you okay pamela let's just not think about it let's go do it and we'll be successful but then you'll be out walking downtown here in los angeles right downtown la mm -hmm. and you have to jump over mud puddle and then everything just goes crazy wild in your mind and you're back to this place and, and these kind of things. So, uh, that, that lends more towards a post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis. So uh, what other symptoms would you have other than, you know, this, this outburst of crying for, for several hours? Um, uh, I know that we talked about sleep, that sleep was important during that time. Were you able to get your, your seven and a half to eight hours of sleep? No, no. No, no, I, I like I would go to bed, but I, I wasn't sleeping. I was waking up a lot, you know, and I was also dealing with the concussion symptoms. So I was like, if I, I just prayed that nobody came up to me and made me angry in a grocery store, because I would have, I would have punched somebody. I mean, I was, I was a lot of things and it was really, really scary. And I hated it. You know, I hated it. My, my cranial, whatever therapist, she sort of, sh I felt like she helped to shift whatever was happening to a calmer state. And that sort of, I was angry and then I was calm. And then, then I was just, I was still just, everything was trippy. And I was like, am I still tripping on shrooms? I only took like this much of a chunk. I really felt like I was on drugs mm -hmm. for three weeks. I felt like I was on drugs. Right. I, nothing felt, and I was like, you know, I remember sitting Christmas Eve and I was like, is everything okay? Like what's happening? You know, or my friends would be talking to me and I would just be staring at nothing. Yeah. And those are those are natural things with with post-traumatic stress disorder that you just kind of, for lack of a better word, zone out. But you're still in the room, but you're not in the room. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, 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 and you know, the thing about it is, is that because I have post-traumatic stress disorder from an incident I was involved in. And I'll know that, okay, I'm in the room, but I'm not in the room. But then when I become aware that I'm not in the room, I don't remember what I was thinking about when I realized I wasn't in the room. I mean, it's just like this blank, yeah. this blank space was there. It's weird. It's like, it's like, it's, it's, it, I feel like it causes paranoia. Oh, absolutely. You know, it causes paranoia. And I don't, I don't drink a lot, but sometimes when I, I'll have a drink or maybe even like more than a glass of wine. I get that same kind of thing where I'm like, hey, I'm not really aware of what's happening right now. You know, and I'm like, oh, did I, you know, it's, it's weird. And I'm not a big, you know, I'm, I'm not big into drugs or anything like that. So 
anything that alters anything that makes me feel weird makes me feel like I'm not in control of the situation. Right. And, and I, I, I am led to believe throughout our interview that anytime that you don't feel like you're in control is very uncomfortable for you. Extremely uncomfortable, which would also is a big reason why I'm not, you know, I'm not in a relationship. I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've been in controlling substance abuse. Most everybody I've dated has had a substance abuse problem, but now because I have so much control over my life and my schedule and I've been on my own for a really long time, the second that somebody comes in and alters my schedule or I feel like I'm emotionally out of control, I have to get like back on it. And then I'm like, I need space from it. And that's why I walk away most of the time. Or, or you feel like you're being squashed into a box of what they feel like a relationship is supposed to be. Maybe. Like, I don't even know what a relationship, you know, I just started like dating and I don't even know what that's supposed to look like, you know? And so, and I think that a lot of guys are a little bit like, oh, she, she does her own thing. You know, she doesn't text or call. <laughs> and it's because I, I don't want to lose control. I don't want to lose control. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Is it, is it always about control or is it about losing an individual? I don't know. You mean like losing that person? Mm -hmm. Like it'd be easier if I walked away than to like actually go through lo maybe losing the person. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. So you had mentioned that you kind of had this, this flashback at one point uh, where you were to make a jump. How long did that flashback last before you were able to just say, Hey, this is not where I'm at in this moment. I was being, you mean during the tremor? Mm -hmm. I was being sort of, uh, you know, looked over by the woman that, that, uh, that guides me through it. And it, I mean, it, I guess it was a few minutes or whatever, but it was, it was so present to the point where like, I saw colors, like I, I can see it. I can play it now. You know, I, I know where I was and who was there. And when he looked, when he put his hand into the, the mic asking what's going on with Justin, what's the 411 on Justin? Because mm -hmm. the host stopped and she said, she said, can we just like stop for a second and let her like, can she, you tell her if her friend is okay? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know what was going on, you know? So that, la the, the flashback, I think it was like a couple minutes, you know, a couple minutes. So I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to first gut answer, answer. Don't, don't think about this question. Just answer. Why are you afraid of being alone? Okay, I, I, I would answer that with I, I'm not afraid of being alone because I'm, I always say that I'm, you know, I'm like the independent one of all my friends. I'm the one that's okay with being alone. And I, I never use the word alone. I'm always like, I'm independent. I'm on my own. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask again, why are you afraid of being alone? I don't know. I, it's like, why do I want to counteract that with, I'm not afraid of being alone? Because you are. But I am, I am, because I am. Every, is everybody afraid of being alone? To a certain extent. But I, I think yours is so much so that you want to control so that you ensure that you're not alone unless it's on your terms. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, 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 must and, always be, yeah. and it's important to point out that there's a difference between being alone and being lonely. I mean, there, there's a difference there, but I get more of the, the vibe that, yeah, you are an independent woman, 
but the, you have to know that there's somebody there that's going to pick up the phone if you need them. So, yeah. so you're afraid of being alone. Correct. And so it's almost like you would rather not try to start a relationship as to start one and lose something that you want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think all of this, I say this a lot, stepping out on a limb here, because I've known you all of what, an hour and 15 minutes, <laughs> but. But that makes, but what you just said makes so much sense, <laughs> you know. I think that one of the, the reasons that this, this really is problematic for you now is because while you don't need a coach, you want a coach and you could not control that emotion in that moment, which made you feel vulnerable, which then led to the post-traumatic stress, which now leads you even more to wanting solid, firm relationships without the tools, necess the tools needed to have them. Yeah. Because you saw how quickly all of a sudden reality came to play, how quickly everything could just be over with. Yeah. And so it's, it's, a, it's an issue of, I hate to use the term midlife crisis because I think that's overused, but it, it's kind of one of those that we come to this reality of, okay, I'm, I'm a successful person, but my needs aren't being met. Yeah. I mean, I, listen, I'm 34 years old. A lot of people think I'm like 24. I'm 34 years old. Uh, like where I'm at career wise, you know, I'm always sort of striving or whatever. I think I even like said it last night. I was like to myself, I was like, I'm sort of, I'm sort of alone. <laughs> I am, you know, and I had these like two people come into my life recently, two completely different types of men. And, and I feel like I, I, one, I push away. I didn't, I don't I'm not even giving the chance, not even the chance. I'm like, red flags. He's got red flags, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So why he's got red flags, I can't do it, you know. Um, and then the other one is in my life as as a dear, near and dear friend, and we, we're very honest about our feelings. But again, I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're gonna tiptoe. We're gonna tiptoe through this, you know. And if we're just gonna be friends, maybe we should just be friends because that's better. Because mm -hmm. friends means he'll always be in my life. Right. I'm a mess, Doc. <laughs> you, you said it, not me. So I mean, admission <laughs> admission is the biggest step, right? I hope that's the quote you put on. on the <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think that you're. I don't think that you're a mess. I think that you have lived comfortably all of your life, feeling like you're independent, and coming to realize that you really are, and that scares you. Because as we get older, we really do want somebody to spend our life with, or be accountable to, or to have to be ours. And it, and it becomes scary. But even the thought, probably even to you, the thought of dating or having a relationship is scary. Very scary. You know, and I was in a serious relationship when I was in my 20s and, you know, could have been, could have been, could have been marriage. I, I cheated on the person for six months. I wasn't even married, you know, but I, I was so scared of saying I wasn't happy and all this stuff that I, I, I lived a whole other life. What a, what a weird thing, you know. It, it, you know, it, it happens and it's funny though, how, well, it's not funny, uh, how all of these things work together that bring us to the individual that we are today. Because, and one of the, one of the whole premises of Doc Talks is that while you're successful, um, I, I like to think of myself of being successful, 
uh, we still have everyday problems and everyday struggles that we deal with uh, that maybe even more so than people who don't feel they're successful. There are people who are perfectly fine with being single the rest of their life and being independent the rest of their life. Uh, and that's, that's perfectly fine. But then there are those of us who have this relationship and, and fearful that it might just disappear one day or not have a relationship because we're afraid to hurt someone and them leave. I, I'm going to guess that while being very independent, you are also a very emotional people of, of ha- emotional person as to how people perceive you as a friend or an acquaintance. Yeah. I mean, you mean like meaning like, I mean, people come to me for the advice usually or whatever, but you know, I'm always the one that's there and people have been there for me, but I don't open up. I mean, even though I'm open up and I share, I don't open up, but like most people don't know when I have a flare. Mm-hmm. or when I'm not feeling well because I don't talk about it. Right. And and not talking about it, is that part of the suppression of it? Or is that that you don't want anybody to know or anybody else to be bothered with stuff that you're dealing with? Yeah, I guess bothered with. Like, I remember that the guy who, you know, who who's my friend, he was like, tell me, you know, when you're not feeling well or whatever. And I would never do that. I would never like just text somebody and be like, Hey, I'm not feeling well. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would ever get to a point where you could do that? Maybe with the right person, you know, I mean, well, but maybe it's me. It's me. Actually, this person is wholeheartedly like a good person and a good friend, but you know, I, and I can do that with my girlfriends and some of my close friends. They know, you know, when I'm not feeling well or whatever, but romantically speaking, it would take some work. There would have to be a lot of trust there. Yeah. So what do we do? What's the solution here? <laughs> we ha- we hire you as my, <laughs> as my doctor. <laughs> no, really. Because seriously, I've been like searching for the right person. And I'm like, does he take my insurance? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh, do you do tele, do you do telehealth? We, do we, tele- we can, we can talk about that, that later, but we, we, we'll see. Uh, but really, when it comes down to this, we've got to find the root cause of all of this this stuff. And, it, and it's probably going to be a little deeper than just the traumatic experience. There's going to be something farther on down underlying. And I'm just going to I'm just going to put this out here. OK, if, if I had to say, OK, well, it could be this. I'm going to point back to the 16 year old you that felt uh, uh, betrayed by her sister. That's where I'm going to kind of point it all back to, because you you really felt at that point, while you were still independent, you really felt like to have your best interest of what you wanted to do, you had to be independent and not let anybody else know what was going on. Yeah. And that has culminated into years of this privateness, that when you came to a traumatic life event, that you realized, if I do this, then I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life that it opened up this Pandora's box of, I'm not going to say issues, but of symptoms that, that have been repressed for years. And so in, in order to get appropriate treatment for that, you're going to have to peel back the layers of time and, and work through those unresolved issues, really. Right. When, when it comes to those kind of things, psychotherapy, which is what it's called, it's talk therapy of where you sit down and you really go through these, these problems of, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it really bothered me that she told on me, but it really didn't 
But now that I think about it, I feel this way, you know, of really unpacking what it felt in that moment and how other things that have happened throughout your life reminded you of how you felt at that moment and then moving forward. And then when you get into the post-traumatic stress issue, uh, there are things uh, such as EMDR that you can do uh, to help process uh, the post-traumatic stress uh, symptoms. Um, and, and, you know, the, the key to all of this is to know that what has happened to you and what you have done is not who you are and that you are Pamela Price and you're loved, you're valued, you're important, you're needed, but most of all, you're wanted. And when we can convince ourselves of that, then we'll find ourselves trying to convince other people of that. And we've got to be our own cheerleader. We've got to be the one who is pushing us. It's okay to cry. I told you it's okay to cry. Yeah. Well, uh, the wanted thing is like a big thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. But in order to know that you're wanted, you have to understand that you're important, you're valued, you're loved, and you're needed. Because if none of those happen, yeah. you can't be wanted. And and I think that's where a lot a lot comes in with everyday life is that we forget that we're wanted. You know, that especially people who suffer from from chronic depression, chronic anxiety, generalized anxiety disorders, social anxiety disorders, is that they feel like they're a burden. For instance, if I was if I had a major depressive disorder and I felt like I was a burden to my family, my family would be burdened to think that I was a burden. You know, that it, it's just, yeah, it's just completely opposite of how, how it really is. And, and we live in this world of where we've got to be able to say what I've done and who I, and, and what I've done and what I've been through is not who I am. And so we learn to identify who we are. So if I were to ask you, Pamela, who are you? What would be your answer? I am, you mean like, career-wise no, who, who is Pamela like, I, like yeah, who right. is Pamela I, I I think that I'm supportive a good friend I, I I don't know okay so one thing that I noticed was you said I think I am you didn't say I am this yeah and so there's that that hesitancy of self-validation it's almost like you feel that it's wrong to believe that you're good enough Maybe. So yeah. when you go and whatever next competition you're going to go, do you go into that competition feeling like you're not good enough to win? Or do you go with no, the mindset that I can do this? Yeah, I go into the mindset that I am doing it. Mm -hmm. so, and that's weird because it's like juxtaposition, you know, position. So, so why don't you pass that over into your life? Yeah. That I'm here to win. I'm here to see this through. I'm not... I'm not destined for failure. My my uh, uh, Bruchette's disease does not define me. My post-traumatic stress disorder does not define me. Whatever it is, that does not define you. What defines you is who you say you are. If you say, if you say, Dr. Brian, who are you? I would say, I am valuable. That's who I am. I'm valuable. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a son. Those things nobody can take away from me. I, I am those things. But if I, I begin to say, well, I think that I'm loved, I think that I'm a loving person, then we're not convinced. And so why would we go, especially on national television, 
to an event and say, mm, I think I could win. Yeah. We have to be completely sold to the fact that we not only can we, but we're going to. Right. So when we look at our everyday life, we need to be completely convinced of the fact of, you know what? I am loved. I am valid. I am important. I am needed and I'm wanted. And anybody who has anything else to say contrary to that can whatever, go, go suck an egg, whatever it is that you say out in LA, yeah. you know, uh, because what really happens is that we begin to allow people to validate us. that have no business validating us. And, and that's the problem. You know, uh, you said if you had social media when you were 16 years old, uh, the world would be a lot different place. But it's not, it's not uncommon to see 14, 15, 16-year-olds committing suicide over social media posts because we allow people to validate us who don't even know us. And when we give somebody the tools to validate who we are, we automatically give them the authority to devalue us in the same sentence. And why would we give anybody that power? Now, if I were to tell you today, uh, Pamela, you, you're a horrible dancer. Um, you're a horrible writer. I, I saw you on American Ninja Warrior, and obviously it was rigged because there was no way that you could do that. I saw you, what was the, the mud? The mud. Uh, tough mother. Yeah, the tough mother. <laughs> I saw mother. that. And, and there's no way that you did that. How, what would your response be? I probably with photos and proof, video proof. I, might, I would probably be, you know, fuck you. <laughs> there. I, 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 no. I, well, I don't even know. I feel like I wouldn't even, because I would just walk away from that. Right. You know? And, and I'm and like, that's, well, this person literally. Right. And that's exactly yeah. the way you should, because who do you have to prove anything to? Right. Nobody. But the first thing I said was footage and photos. Right. And so uh, me, you know, uh, a redneck from from Arkansas uh, who knows nothing about anything you're talking about. Why would you why would your immediate thought be to prove to you that I am? I guess because I think that it would I think it would make me feel better. But would it at the end? No. At the end of the day, it probably would make you feel worse. Yeah. And so we need to have enough value in ourselves that we say, hey, you know, I control who I am, not you. I control my emotions, not you. And if you don't want to believe that this is me, then get on with your life. Leave me out of it. Keep scrolling. But we have this, this need to see every single like, every single positive comment, and we seek this validation from people we don't even know. And when we do, then we allow them to devalue us in the same breath. And then that plays into your feelings of uh, a fear of being alone because you're not getting the next best thing. Right. And and I can tell you that in 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 your life, I believe that you're going to be very successful. And I believe you are very successful. But until you get happy with who you are as an individual, that that the next big thing isn't ever going to be big enough. That's true. So hearing, I, mean, I, I definitely should. So hearing yeah. all of this, what are you feeling right now? I'm feeling like it's all very relevant right now. I mean, it's obviously relevant. It's it's sort of putting some stuff on the table that even though it's maybe I knew about it, it definitely wasn't worded or articulated in the way that you put it. And it's really relevant now because I finally like opened my heart to dating and seeing people. And that's a big thing, you know, 
because before that I was like, I'm happy. I'm going to be a single mom reading single mom books and, and, and adopting. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm going to let some, you know, it wasn't even an option. So, you know, all that. And within, and it's interesting. I was like, I'm like all gung ho when it comes to my performance and competing and, you know, and all that, but yeah, validation is such a big thing. And it's like, I'd rather just, I'd rather not text or call somebody so that I don't give them the option to not text or call me back. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't, I don't put myself out there in that way, but I'll put myself out on a freaking rock to fall. Yeah. Because to you, physical pain is not as bad as emotional pain. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. So long as you're emotionally healthy. Yeah. I don't feel like I am right now. I know I'm not, I'm not emotionally healthy and it's, it may, you know, it's in part due to the multiple concussions and, and the PTSD, but also because I don't really know how to navigate, you know, romantic or anything in that world. I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can hire coaches for that as well, right? Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There are those coaches too, if that's, that's the kind of uh, training. However, I, you know, I, I would be very careful of anybody who would be uh, trying to hire a dating coach that you uh, were careful to not be your authentic self while dating. So that's, that would be my suggestion that, that you really get with somebody that you can trust, a therapist that you can trust and start unpacking all of this stuff. And nobody's ever too far gone to get help. Um, and, and I believe, uh, you know, while you said you don't think that you're in a healthy place emotionally, uh, I would agree with that statement, but I would also say, I don't think that you're, that your emotional health is critical at this point. You know, um, I think that you're, that you're progressing in life fine. Uh, but that life could be a lot better for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, thank you for, for suffering through this part of Doc Talks This DX. has been, this has been everything I needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Pamela, I thank you for joining us here on Doc Talks DX today. And I, and once again, I appreciate your willingness to, to share your story with us. Uh, once again, can you tell our, our listeners where they can find you? Yes. Uh, at Pam Drenalyn on Instagram. Uh, or at We Care When, my Bichette's disease community. All right. And of course, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. All of my social media links are at the bottom of the website. And feel free to follow us there. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Doc Talks with Dr. Brian Shepard. Also, Doc Brian is a part of B Frank Network. Check out all of our podcasts on the B Frank Network at bfranknetwork.com. I look forward to having you with us again next time. Again, thank you for listening, Pamela. Thank you again for, for being with us and have a great rest of your day. Thank you.